The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele, which in turn will build you a better business. Greetings of the day, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Building Better Businesses. I am your host, Steve Eschbach. I am the owner of a business here in Naperville called Transworld Business Advisors. We are a mergers and acquisitions specialist firm. We are the largest business brokerage in the world, and we are the fastest growing business brokerage in the world. And I'm delighted to have a guest with me today. Her name is Elisa Kolodizner. I hope I pronounced it that right. She has a firm called Cordelia Capital. There are so many fascinating things about her. Of course, pronouncing her name is one, but how she got the name of her company for two. The other thing I like about what Elisa uh, is going to present to us is that she, like many of us, are former corporate executives gone into entrepreneurial world. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about that. So, Elisa, before we begin going through your history, tell me a little bit about where you are now, your company, and uh, what it is your focus is. Sure. And thank you again for having me on the podcast. So a little bit about myself, where I am and what Cordelia Capital is. So I personally am a Chicagoland resident. I think it's a very important to note. Um, my business is domiciled as well as looking for a business in the Chicagoland area. So Cordelia Capital was set up as an investment vehicle. What that means is the goal is to find one remarkable business. So hopefully uh, one of the listeners on today's call to be able to continue their legacy through a succession plan. Sounds great. And, you know, one thing I'll mention here is that uh, in my podcast series, most of my guests have focused from the inside looking out. And what I mean by that, it's either a business owner or it is a professional that assists a business owner. So we're looking within. And I'm excited about this one because uh, Elisa is going to give us a presentation on the outside looking in, meaning she's going out and acquiring. So she's going to give us tips on what she looks for, which hopefully translates into business owners kind of using some of these best practices. But before we get into any of that, let's talk a little bit about you and your background. Tell me a little bit about your childhood. Are you a native Chicago lander, born and raised here? And uh, tell me a little bit about your childhood. Sure, absolutely. So a little bit about me. I am currently literally sitting in Uptown. Uh, Uptown is a neighborhood in Chicago, Illinois. And I'm sitting about four blocks from my parents and about six blocks from my grandparents. So just to kind of hopefully start the conversation off on uh, on that note, I am very much focused on my community, my family. And so what I'm hoping to accomplish is to extend that in the business that I, that I work with. So in regards to how I grew up here, uh, I'm an immigrant. So my parents immigrated from the previous Soviet Union, Kyiv, Ukraine now. Uh, we came here when I was just a small child. And I literally grew up the four blocks from here. So I have always lived in Chicago. I attended Chicago public schools. I went to the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign for school and the University of Chicago. So haven't been very far away and continue to choose to stay close going forward. Sounds good. That's unlike me where I was born on the East Coast. 
lived in Colorado, went back to the East Coast, and now I'm here in Chicagoland. But tell me a little bit about your childhood. What were your aspirations back then when you were in your so-called formative years? And what kind of influence did you have from your parents? And it sounds like your grandparents. Yeah. So it's an interesting journey. Uh, For me, I was actually raised by my grandparents. So my parents were very young when they immigrated here. So both my mom and my dad uh, had to start their life. So my mom was in school. My dad was working full time. And my grandmother, who was immigrated also from Kiev, Ukraine, she was a pediatrician in Kiev, which is definitely defying the norms. Um, She was a female as well as the top pediatrician in her village. And she raised me to uh, continue those ideals of being a very strong and independent woman. Uh, My mom is similar. She's a doctor of pharmacy at our local hospital here. And so I was raised by very independent, strong figures in my life. And it definitely affected uh, what I found to be important. And also just this belief in myself that anything is possible as long as you put your mind to it. And in my opinion, have the right community and support. So hence, the family is very important. From a young age, I've always been very focused on helping my community. So I'm always trying to, I'm, try, I'm that person that, well, first of all, I'm the, I guess I'm the president of my building. So I'm always the person that's trying to get more involved in the projects that are around me. Uh, I do a lot of volunteering, I also, my strengths are negotiation and sales. So that's definitely helped with getting involved, but also making sure you get involved to get the best deals for everyone around you. That was always something I got excited about from a young age. So those are the skill sets that I've had from, honestly, from when I was five. I was the kid who sold bracelets when they were five years old. My mom always tells me the story. She's like, I remember walking into your school and there's like this little poster that says Elisa's bracelets, two for one for three or two for five special. I don't even remember this, but uh, she always reminds me that from a very young age, that was definitely one of my innate strengths, which at the time I didn't realize was a strength that you obviously you're not familiar with what is different about you when you uh, when you're practicing your day to day. So that's a little bit about me. And that's definitely gone forward in my career. To your point, Steve, I left corporate America earlier this year, actually, and I made the choice to do so because I want to have the impact that I know I can um, and be empowered with the skill sets that I own. So being able to work with others, being able to positively impact my community and society is critical for me. Wow. So when you went through college, I saw, I hear a lot of bit of sales and marketing. Was that sort of your uh, college path or was it a little different and it moved over to that? It sounded like your childhood was like that. I just want to see if that also kind of went through in your schooling. Yeah. So to the point in the beginning of our conversation, when you said everything's non-traditional, um, neither is my path. So I actually graduated from the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign in environmental science. So why environmental science? Well, uh, that sales and negotiation piece, like I said earlier, came into context from a very young age. I was a door-to-door canvasser uh, when I was 15 years old. So I worked for an environmental uh, nonprofit where we were looking to increase uh, wind power in Chicago. So I literally was knocking door to door. I was number two in the company at 15. Um, I didn't know what that meant, but they wanted to keep me past uh, for me not to go back to high school. I remember that. And I remember my mom telling them no. (laughs) So I definitely have that memory. And then 
Uh, those same skill sets are what gave me the scholarship that I earned for the University of Illinois Environmental Science Program because I also participated in science fair every year. So every year I would go on to state, which was at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign with my projects. And so, you know, it's once again, going back to those skills, it's public speaking, it's negotiations, it's sales, it's networking, those all come in line. And that was actually the reason why I went to the environmental science program at University of Illinois. Sounds good. You mentioned something in your commentary about being involved, community involvement, which I kind of guess kind of extends over to family involvement. But one of my, one of the experiences I've learned over my career is that visibility is key. And it sounds like that that was instilled in you at a very early age. Am I right about that? Yeah. So as soon as you said that, I always have like the little flashback. So my mom would literally put me on top of a chair when I was like five years old uh, and, and during birthday parties, during any family gatherings, that was the norm for me. So I would either be singing or reciting poetry. So I've always been very comfortable, confident, and excited to be in front of um, an audience and to be in front of an audience that I care about. So it's funny you mentioned this. If I had two things I could correct about my career and my upbringing. Number one, public speaking would be critically important, which I didn't take, but I forced myself to do later on. And then uh, Toastmasters, which I think helps as well. And then being involved in a debate team. I wish that when I was in high school, I would have been involved in a debate team because people might deny the fact that they are a salesperson when in fact, everything as part of their career is selling something, whether you're selling your position, convincing your team members. Do you have any comment about uh, sales in terms of all parameters of life? Well, first of all, I was on the debate team in high school, so I did not bring that up. <laughs> so, uh, I was in policy debate. And what I could also say is I was definitely the person that probably could have spent more time reviewing the 100 plus pages of cases prior to the debate, but I would actually win a lot of the debates just because of the skill set that I have. So it helped having partners on the debate team that did their research. But uh, if I were to go back, I would definitely have spent more time reading through the cases. But I've always enjoyed, I've always enjoyed the debate aspect, the negotiation aspect. I'm actually reading a book right before our call today. It's called Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. And so my husband uh, recommended it to me and he's like, we should have a conversation together around negotiation, but it's so important, right? It's so important in all aspects of life and personal and, and business. It is definitely a, a key attributor to be able to communicate in the best way. So one of my questions is, where did you get your insights? And I think we've been talking about that for the past three or four minutes, haven't we? <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I get, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nonchalantly so, correct. So I have to correct you on the next question, or maybe it's me, maybe it's you. It says, what were some of your business mistakes and what did you learn from them? So I have now taken the word mistakes out of my vernacular. I never make mistakes. Mm -hmm. And you're going to find that I may be arrogant or conceited when I say that. But what I now say is everything that I do that doesn't turn out the way I want it is a learning experience. So with that as a backdrop, what would be some of your biggest learning experiences that have gotten you to where you are today? So first of all, I like the way you, and I respect it, the way you explain it, how it's not a mistake. So for me, when I think about the experiences that I've had in my life that didn't turn out optimally, right? I guess that's really what a mistake is. It didn't turn out in the optimal way you would have hoped. I always look at it as, as a learning curve. So everything that I've done for myself, I consider as an education. 
even my career, to be honest. So my goal has always been to do what I am now embarking on. So it's to have a business um, that focuses on positively impacting a community, a society, and employing individuals within that community. I am an immigrant and a woman, so I definitely am more focused on making sure that there are availabilities for any type of employment. doesn't matter what your background is, where you went to college, what your skill sets are. So for me, I've always known that this is what I want to do. I actually have had this dream since I was very young, but then why didn't I do it, right? Why didn't I start it 10, 15 years ago? And so the area of opportunity that I found for myself is growing up the way I did with immigrant parents where they had to start from nothing, right? I always felt like they made a very large sacrifice for me. Uh, I'm very fortunate that I grew up in a country where my name, and, and it's funny that you say it because my name would have given me different opportunities in a country that I came from than it does in this country. So cool. the, yeah, so the mistakes that I look at um, are allowing this history of where I came from and what I watched my family go through as a way of stopping myself. So I felt like I truly needed to get to a point financially where even if I failed, right? So even if this search for finding a company or after buying the company, it didn't work out, I would still be okay. And looking back at it and where I am in my life, I would have loved to have started earlier. That's honestly the the area of opportunity I give myself. And so my hope with this podcast and honestly, all of the conversations that I have, I would love for individuals that see this that are 10 years younger than me um, to sometimes, or older, it doesn't matter, but never be afraid to take the biggest risk, which is on yourself, because that will pay off the most. So that is my biggest area of opportunity, in my opinion, is I wish I would have started this earlier. Well, but now you can't look back. You can go forward and you have plenty of opportunity. (laughs) So here's a question I'm going to modify. It it says here, do you think being a good leader makes a better business or makes a business better? Clearly, I think the answer to that question is yes. But let me ask you, how can you now you're a solopreneur, right? Can I say that? Sure. Okay, we'll get into your company in a little bit. But how do you make yourself a better business leader? And what would you recommend other business owners do to make them better business leaders? How would you do that? So the word leader and manager has come up in my vocabulary many times throughout my corporate career. And it was always interesting to hear people's definitions. Like the word manager was like this figure that kind of told you what to do versus leader is someone that brings people up. And so in my opinion, the best type of leader, because I truly feel that that is the correct terminology, it is a individual that works with the, uh, puts a table versus a chair. So I'm currently sitting at a table and fills every seat around them. So they're working together with their team. They're working together with their people because that is how you are able to succeed. So even looking at my own company today, and we'll talk more about that later on in the podcast, even looking at my own company today, Yes, I am the solo entrepreneur of Cordelia Capital, but you better bet that I have an entire table of individuals that are supporting me. I have an advisory board. I have potential. I have my family, right? (laughs) I have friends. I have other business owners. I have subject matter experts. And I plan to continue to engage individuals that can help me and can 
really complement my skill set. So a true leader, in my opinion, is someone that has recognized, here's what I'm great at. Now, let me find all of the individuals around me that can help the skill sets that I need support with, as well as support the mission that we can have together. And then you can get there faster. I mean, you can get there faster when you have more support with the individuals around you. Absolutely. Now that you've already answered the next question, and that is to what do you attribute your success? And I think it what you're saying is you surround yourself with other successful people to help you and for you to help them. Did I get that right? Yeah. So Steve, you know, I, it's a little hard for me sometimes to, to say, here's what I've done really well. I guess like growing up right with parents that are always know your place kind of mentality, but I'm proud of myself where every role that I've been in, in corporate and before I've always been the top. So, and these are all sales roles, consulting roles. And it's funny because as you can see me today, right? Like I'm definitely not the oldest, most wise person in the room, but what I am is someone that is open to having that table. And so you are absolutely correct. What I've always done is I've always been a learner. I've always sought to gain more information and be more credible for the individuals around me. And I've always sought to find that community aspect within my career, within obviously family, friends, so that we can support each other to go further. Because I truly believe, number one, it's always a two-way street. I always believe that, hey, you might be helping me a little more today, but tomorrow I can be helping you and we can both succeed together. And I've I've always focused on that throughout my career. And what I found is that opens so many doors to individuals that are open to helping you and obviously also helping themselves and and then succeeding together. So yes, definitely. I would attribute that to the success um, that I've sought out and see is filling that table, right? Filling that table and every one of your chairs with support. So that's great. That those uh, comments that you made, I think are great in terms of businesses longstanding many years ago and going forward. So my next question is, what is your biggest challenge today? Now, most of us know we're a year into the pandemic and a lot of us have had to modify the way we do business. Remote, virtual seems to be a greater part of what it is that we do, but is there anything else that has created a challenge for what it is that you do? And I promise you the next question is gonna be about your business, I promise. (laughs) But just from a basic overall philosophy, we're dealing in an environment that seems to be ever-changing. And this one that we went through in the past 12 months has got to be one that, you know, is many standard deviations beyond the norm. So any different way to handle those challenges? Sure. So first of all, I wanted to comment on our our new normal. Um, I've actually been a remote, I guess, prior to an employee now uh, entrepreneur for the past six years. So for me, being through video and having these conversations isn't unique. I'm actually very much used to it. Now, what I'm not used to is I used to travel a lot. I used to travel a lot. I used to be able to meet face-to-face with individuals. So well, I, what I'll comment on and what is difficult for me today is being able to go into an event, right? So being able to go to like a trade show or a place where I can meet many business owners and have conversations with them at a table, that I miss and definitely is little more difficult to build rapport um, because in order to find yourself an opportunity with 10, 20 people where you can truly have a conversation with each of them, it's a little more difficult virtually because everyone's got something to say. However, 
what I have found with this new normal and what has helped me is because I'm not traveling, I am finding more time to have individual conversations. So I'm able to build rapport a little bit faster uh, would be the right term for it because it is a one-on-one relationship versus prior. It might've been, Hey, we ran into each other at a trade show. We shook hands. Then we, you know, we went, we had lunch, then we went on a phone call. And so it was a little bit more steps than I think I'm seeing with this new normal today. Sounds good. So now we're going to talk about your company. And uh, so you started Cordelia Capital how long ago? I started Cordelia Capital on January 5th of 2021. So 2021. (laughs) So for me, it has been a nice two months. I'm on month three of my company. Good for you. So now I want you, if you don't mind, to explain how you came up with the name and it's embedded in the logo on your website. There's a meaning behind your company name. And I think it's apropos to what it is you want to do going forward. Do you mind sharing that with our audience? Absolutely. Um, So for me, everything that I do has meaning and including the title of my own company. So Cordelia Capital, actually my husband helped me figure out the name for it. Um, But what it means is it's a direct translation um, from Latin and it is the heart of the sea. So it is the daughter of the water and it carries a lot of meaning for me as well as the logo. So the logo of Cordelia Capital is three waves. And so what does that all mean? So first of all, um, there are three generations of my family family that immigrated to the United States. And so I consider those three waves as my grandparents, my parents, and myself. When I look at the Cordelia, the water aspect. So the funny thing is uh, Lake Michigan is literally one block from me. So I am very close to the water and I actually swim in it with my parents in the summer. So I am literally the daughter of the sea, I guess, (laughs) in that context. And the way I view water as well is being adaptable. So it's very important for me to make sure that the company that I'm looking to acquire understands that I'm not looking to change the legacy that's been created up until this point but I want to adapt. I want to be part of what has gotten it to this point and now find ways how the waves together, right, can bring success going forward. So it's all about adaptability and that is key in all relationships that you have. Sounds good. So now let's get a little bit into what it is that you're doing in terms of uh, acquiring companies. So I would imagine that you've got a mindset already in place. I know your financial parameters, it's small to medium sized businesses. So from a financial perspective, I totally understand. And those are all numbers. You, You really can't argue with the numbers. But what are you looking for in terms of a business that's going to make sense for you to acquire? And are you looking to find the company that may not be operating effectively so you can come in and do that? Or what are some of the key business objectives or business processes in place that's going to make an ideal candidate for you? Sure. So thank you for asking. I'm going to start with going back a step to my skill set. So I am very comfortable with knowing what I'm great at. I'm also really comfortable with knowing what I'm not great at. So I am not the individual that goes out there and creates the next big product. But if you give me any product, I can scale it. So that is my skill set and has always been. And so the reason I set up Cordelia is for just that. It's finding a business that has a positive societal impact. That is key for me, right? That's why I've chosen to go and find a business that will impact the community. So I'm looking for a business that has a positive societal impact that is either domiciled in the Chicagoland area, or if it's a technology company, 
you know, obviously it can be virtual. So ideally I'm looking to not leave where I am. I'm open to Midwest. So open to Michigan, Indiana, Wisconsin, which are drivable, but I need my community. I need my family in order to succeed. That's always what has supported me. And I'm looking for a business where the owner of the company either is at an age where they've realized, Hey, I've, raise this child from birth, literally, right? Um, and now I'm at a point where there are other things in life that I need to prioritize, right? So the, the child has come up to college age, and now I need to make sure that they succeed going forward. And so they are looking for that legacy. They're looking for that succession plan. And whether it's kids that they that aren't interested in their business, or maybe they you know don't have kids that would like to take over, that is where I come in. I'm also interested in businesses where they're just not necessarily where they thought they would be 10 years ago because once again it was the entrepreneur that created the company they created the product they, that's exactly what their strength was and now they're at a point where they realize hey this product should have a much bigger impact than it's had up until this point so if i want to see the success of my product as well as the impact it can have on the communities around i need someone to take over this and take it forward and so it's identifying you know that matchmaking process so obviously making sure that i'm finding the business owners that have self-reflected, right? So they're at a point where it's, okay, what happens next? Um, Or they're at a point where, you know what, I've gotten it to this point and I've done a great job, but if I really now want to see an exponential growth, I need someone else to lead the way. And that's who I am. So are you open to any industry or do you have a particular, you talked about pharmacy and medical earlier with your family. Are there any particular industries that make sense for you or is it wide open depending on you know, what the opportunity is. Sure. So what I'm looking for and what I've identified as the sectors that I'm most interested in. So I'm interested in environmental renewable sustainability. Okay. And obviously my background being environmental science definitely contributes there. I personally invest uh, in a lot of companies that have a uh, that are sustainable focused, I'm also looking at tech enabled healthcare. So you are correct. My husband's actually a doctor of physical therapy. My mom's a pharmacist. So I may not be the one that is most in- knowledgeable about the medical field, but I am at the sales part. So it becomes a family affair. I'm also open and interested in HR business consulting companies. So I believe that the way that a community can succeed, individuals can flourish, is if they have support outside of their nine to five. So my goal is to also uh, encompass a search where there are companies that are human resource, business consulting, that truly focus on how to support employees beyond the nine to five, right? So that culture. Uh, I'm also open interested in fintech. So we didn't talk about this at all, but corporate America for me always in financial services. And so I am open interested in companies that use technology to solve real world problems. And so an example of that would be student loans, right? So being able to connect investors to students to help repay their debt, um, because as we all see and know, unfortunately, that is something that is becoming a bigger and bigger issue today. So let's say that I am your target company and you're going to say, Steve, I want to be able to take you to the next level. What are the first three questions you would ask me and what kind of answers are you looking for to determine whether we're going to go forward? So I guess the first question is, are you open to selling your business, Steve? Because that has to be... (laughs) 
critical that first be, question. That has to be that has to definitely be an area of opportunity there. If if you're if you're not interested in looking at a succession plan, we unfortunately uh, I'd love to talk to you and learn more about you and for you to introduce me to other individuals, but we unfortunately won't be able to move forward from that conversation. Uh, I'm also looking at financials. So my next question would be tell me more about the business. And when I say tell me more about the business, tell me about the revenue, tell me about the client base, right? So hopefully there are repeat revenue, but when we talk about repeat, what is the client concentration? So has the business succeeded because of one very large municipality relationship or are there you know, 10 to 15 different other ones? So for me, it's very important to see how the business has gotten to where it is today because of the types of clients that they've been able to attract. So I would say those are my two biggest questions. And then my third question would be understanding what the future looks like. So I, like I said, I want to continue a legacy. So how have you gotten to where you are today and what does your tomorrow look like? And I want to see how the leadership in place impacts that, how the founder is interested in moving forward and whether they want to stay on as a consultant, whether they want to uh, you know, be the chief engineer, uh, it depends. But I'm definitely not looking to say, okay, give me your fruit and I'll squeeze the juice until it wilts because I am not a private equity firm or venture capital firm that is just interested in the financials. I am looking for a business that has identified that they have an amazing, remarkable, that's my key word there, a remarkable concept. And now they are looking to pair, right? Find the other fruits that can make truly the biggest impact. So the individuals around them. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for that legacy to continue and to scale. Sounds great. That sounds so terrific. Unfortunately, we don't have much more time. So I got to ask you the two open-ended questions. Is there anything that we haven't touched upon based on the questions I've asked you? What is another key item or message you want to get out that we just didn't have time to cover? Did I miss anything? Did you miss anything? I guess the conclusion, right? So for me, and I'm hoping that through this conversation, what I really want for the individuals on your call to hear is the passion that I have. Um, I'm looking to find a company that shares that passion. And I also want them to know that this is an extension of my family. I mean, just like my own logo, right? My family that lives so close to me. um, What I'm looking for is for this business to be an extension of my family. And so it's really important for me to find the right fit. It is a truly a matchmaking process. And I am looking for one. I'm not looking for 20 businesses. I'm looking for that one business that we really do see eye to eye and I can see an opportunity to help it move forward. So that's my biggest conclusion, I guess. Sounds like it in a (laughs) nutshell. So a lot of good advice you gave for uh, business owners on how to prep either to uh, enhance value for future expansion or get yourself ready for when uh, Elisa can come in and take it to the next level. Last but not least, how do we find out who you are? Where do we go? Phone number, website, email? How do you want to leave that? Sure. Uh, so I had, do have a website. It is Cordelia. So I'll spell it out. C-O-R-D-E-L-I-A dot capital. So C-A-P-I-T-A-L. And if you just type that into your Google search or into your URL, you will find my website. On there, there are my criteria. There is my contact information. You can email me. You can call me. I'm open. I even have my calendar available on my website. So schedule some time to talk to me. I am more than happy to, yes, I'm looking to acquire business, but I also want to help my community. So if there's any questions from today's conversation, 
I would love to be a resource for anyone out there. That'd be great. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your insights. And uh, thank you so much. And uh, audience, uh, pay attention to what she's saying. There's some good advice there. Thanks again, Elisa. Thank you, Steve. Thanks, everyone. The Building Better Business podcast is the best place to learn how to take your business to the next level. It's no longer enough to earn good profits. You need to develop a network of connections as well as use all types of marketing to your advantage that will put you over the edge. Hosted by me, Steve Eschbach, a financial executive with decades of experience in dealing with businesses and business people, we'll learn how this all comes together. Join me and my expert guests as we delve into the many facets of owning the business and how to become a good, caring business owner. Listen how making a difference in your community can attract all sorts of clientele which in turn will build you a better business.